Welcome to the Elite Fantasy Coaching Hockey Podcast. Get the winner's edge with the strategy, tips, and tactics that help you become a champion. Here is your host, Dave Martin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Elite Fantasy Coaching Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Dave. Uh, i got a special guest with me today. He was loved from episode one. He is back with me, and this will count as our uh, full preview. So welcome, Kevin, to the show. Kevin, thanks for being here. Yeah, um, thanks for having Yeah, so they, they loved you from episode one, Kev. Everybody that listened to it said you were spitting hot fire all over it, so we expect to do it again. And as said, um, this is going to act as the elite fantasy coaching preview book to some extent podcast form so over the next you know call it your next month kevin and i are going to go over every single team we're going to have lists of risers fallers overvalued player undervalued player etc and give you some thoughts as to what to look for 2016 2017 season before we get into that though for those of you looking to get a hold of us on the interwebs www.elitefantasycoaching.com you can find any of our services on there. Get the winner's edge. You want to win that pool? We will help you get to that level. And if you're looking for us on the socials, Twitter is our platform of choice at Elite Fantasy HK. Check us out there. We will be tweeting reaction videos. We send in some stuff out during the day, tips, thoughts, waiver wire, etc. So you want the winner's edge. You want to be competitive in your upcoming season. And in a lot of cases, not just competitive, but taking home that trophy, elite fantasy coaching will help you get to that level. So that said, Kev, we're going to start off with the Anaheim Ducks. As mentioned previously, we're going to review a few different categories here. So we've got the risers, we've got the fallers, overvalued players, undervalued players, sleepers, prospects, and your sneaky value players, which is somebody that may have a little bit more value than their namesake, their reputation, their draft position, their auction value would say. So, Kev, we'll uh, kick it off with you. Anaheim Ducks, who do you have as your rising player? All right, so uh, tough for me to narrow it down. I had uh, a couple guys. I'm going to go with Sammy Vatnin as my riser. I love what he does, plays defense on the blue line. He's 25 years old. Right now, he's averaging 10 goals and 27 assists uh, over the last two seasons. Still fairly new to the league. I love what he's uh, what he's doing. His numbers continue to grow year over year. You get to see more shots out of him, more power play time. Definitely, definitely the man that's anchoring anchoring everything for the Ducks on the back end, which is saying a lot because the Ducks have a lot of really high end defensemen right now. Definitely someone that if if uh, he's available, you're gonna want to get. If he's available in trade, find out what his uh, worth is to you. You know, try to swing a deal, someone you definitely want to land uh, in the next couple of years, especially if he's at a good value, a uh, cheaper price tag right now. Definitely what I'd rank as uh, top three for sure player on any any uh, fantasy team, probably even a number one defenseman for your team at the moment. So looking at his numbers last year, what stands out to me, 19 power play points out of his 38 total points. So 71 games played, 38 power play points. Do agree with you there. So what do you see as a ceiling for him? 38 points over 71 games last year. What do you see him coming out as a potential for this year? Potential this year? I'm I'm positive he's going to break that 40-point plateau. 
can see him breaking the 45 points. Uh, like I said, he's the man on the point right now. His power play goals from uh, this last season had dropped a few from the previous season. Uh, he had seven power play goals in 2014-15, uh, only four this year, but his so- uh, shot totals has uh, gone up. So um, he's definitely going to get the minutes on the power play. He's going to take a lot more shots when he becomes a lot more comfortable in the league. So I see him definitely topping the 45-point plateau. And one thing I will say when you talk about shots, last year his shooting percentage, 6.4%. His career shooting percentage is 8.5%. Given that his shot, career high, 140 shots last year, so two a game, plays a full season, you could, and you know, just going on that number, 160-shot player, valuable for a defenseman, somebody could really break out and put up maybe 180, 190 shots. Uh, you know, if he continues to develop, as you did mention, they do have a deep blue line in Anaheim, which my feeling is they end up making a deal at some point because they have so much depth. And you look at the value of Adam Larson getting Taylor Hall in a trade. The Ducks at some point may move a defenseman. I don't see it being Vatten. And if they do, I do agree with you. Full season, I like him to be a 45-point defenseman, strong power play numbers. And a ton of shots. So I, I like Sammy Vatnin. I'm uh, I'm buying Vatnin stock going into this season as well. Uh, so in terms of my rising player, I'm going with John Gibson. I think they've cleared enough room with Frederick Anderson being dealt away that John Gibson's time to shine is now. Looking at him statistically last year, fourth best goaltender in the league in goals against average, 207, an elite number behind only Matt Murray, who played a very limited amount of games, Ben Bishop, Carey Price. Price also played a limited amount of games with injuries last year. That said, John Gibson has only played 66 games in the regular season in his career, and that's over the last three years. So a guy that's still young, they did bring in Jonathan Bernier as a backup. I'm iffy on Bernier. There's some hype as you know him going back to the West Coast, and he might have the ability to really pop up and take some starts from Gibson. I still like Gibson. I think he's a star. I've had him in leagues for the last three years, holding on to him, spot starts for me. I believe this year he's a 55-game starting goalie, maybe pushes 60 at the top end, career 222 goals against, 920 save percentage. Team that won the Pacific Division, as we mentioned, an elite defensive group there. A lot to like with John Gibson, so I'm taking him as my rising player for the Ducks. Kev, thoughts on uh, on Gibson taking over in the Nets? Uh, I love Gibson as well. I actually carried him over in my one pool, have him on a third-year contract. He takes up only 2.5% of my salary cap, which is fantastic uh, amount to spend on a starting goalie. Uh, I think he has lots of promise. Like you said, he's got uh, really good numbers. Last year, 207 goals against uh, average. Save percent, uh, save percent 920. Fantastic numbers, elite numbers. It was on a limited body of work. I, I do have concerns about him uh, health-wise, which is something I actually will touch on a little later on uh, on my sleeper picks. There you go. All right. Other question. You think they traded the right goalie? When it's all said and done 10 years from now, Gibson and Anderson are on the tail's ends of their career. Uh, hard to hard to judge really because of the limited body of work from both of them. They definitely had to trade one of the goalies 
definitely had to get behind one so they can flourish it's kind of hard to split time especially when they're going to demand uh, more playing time each each of them as an individual and you might as well get something back now uh, instead of waiting for one of them to become a free agent or become seriously hurt and not get that opportunity uh, 10 years down the line uh, I think I think they made the right choice I think Gibson will be extremely good for them I think both goalies are actually going to be uh, extremely good down the line they wouldn't have lost either way so I think they made the right choice but they wouldn't have made the wrong choice no matter what yeah and I would agree with you I, I really like Anderson coming into this year we talked about it on a previous podcast I've actually mentioned him a couple of times I think he's an undervalued guy so uh, luxury of riches for the Ducks there. Going into falling players, Kev, who do you have as your, your falling duck? My falling duck, again, talking about how deep the blue line there is, I'm going to go with Cam F- uh, Fowler as my falling duck. Someone someone that came into the league lit it on fire in his rookie season and followed it up with a couple tough seasons. He's still, he's still serviceable, tops the 30-point plateau most every year. Most likely defenseman for them to trade, do you think? Yes, he's he's someone that's definitely on the block. They have a lot of guys, like I said, in the wings that they're looking to bring forward. Um, He's not getting the power play time that he used to, like I mentioned for my rising player. Uh, Sammy Vatnin is the guy that's manning the point right now. He's the guy that is is the go-to guy for him. Cam Fowler dipped under 30 points last year. He was a minus player on a very strong Anaheim team. And um, generally a minus guy over his career. So four of six years, he's been minuses. Uh, only had two positive years, and one of those was a plus four. So essentially a, an even, even player. But as you said, last year minus eight over a team that had a lot of plus players. Yeah, and if you value uh, penalty minutes, he's not someone that really mucks it up. Uh, very low penalty minutes every single year. Point-wise, like I said, under 30 points. He had uh, two good seasons the previous two, 36 points in 2013-14 and 34 points in 2014-15. Uh, before that, shortened season, 37 games, ended with 11 points. Terrible numbers. Wasn't looking very good. Uh, like like we said, he's on the block in Anaheim for a reason. He's being shuffled to the side. There's better guys below uh, below him on the death chart. Not uh, not not the go-to guy for Anaheim at the moment. And I think his name carries a lot of value still because of that hot rookie season. So 2010-2011 came out of the gate 40 points. Had the hype as the next great offensive defenseman was a minus 25 over that year so obviously not playing a lot of defense 23 power play points his name is still a big name but when i look at that blue line i i would say he's the fourth defenseman i would choose on that team right now uh you know especially in a keeper league i think his value does go up if he gets traded do feel like the ducks need some help up front we'll talk about that a little bit later on but uh a guy that agree with you is got name value and might be one worthy of putting out in an auction league because he's still going to draw some bids but maybe not perform to the level of what he's being paid in that auction so definitely a player that you know ought to look that he's just going in the prime of his career but does seem to be on a decline so my falling duck i'm going with arguably the the franchise's greatest player ryan getzlaff looking at his numbers third straight year 77 games Lowest point total of those three years and a fairly strong decline. So 87 points, 70 points, 63 points last year. Had the lowest goals he's had in the last three years. And again, significant decline. 
three years ago, 31 goals, two years ago, 25, last year down to 13, lowest shot total in three years, down from 204 to 178, and again, each year doing a decline. Worst plus minus in the last three years, went from plus 28 to a plus 14, still a good number, but again, declining. Time on ice down almost two minutes from what he did three years ago. That's declined every year. Game-winning goals declined every year. So you look at those numbers, and again, he's a named player. Everybody knows him. He's one of the faces of a franchise for the league, a guy you really associate with his team. But it's been three straight years of declines, and he's a guy that's been in the league now a long time. He was a rising young gun for a long time. Now he's got 900 regular season, postseason games. He's played a lot of international hockey for Canada, 11 seasons under his belt. I don't think he's done, but he's not a guy I invest in anymore as an elite level player. Just, you know, the trend is your friend. Following that trend, he's not getting back to that 87 point level. I think he struggles to get back to the 70 point level. You know, 63 points from last year. Maybe he settles in for another season around 60 points, but definitely starting to age. Going to still see ice time. I just feel like the elite days are behind him, and he settles into being a good player in this phase in his career. So thoughts on Getzlaff, Kev? You know what? I actually have Getzlaff as my overvalued player, staying in the trend. You have him falling. I have him overvalued. Uh, like you said, he's a big name. Uh, people people know him. He's been in the league for a very long time. He's won a Stanley Cup. Uh, he's played internationally for Canada, won gold. It's a hot name. Everyone knows who Ryan Getzlaff is. Um, everyone has probably coveted him at one point to be on their team. But on points you touched on, yeah, he's, his points – have dropped uh, dramatically over the last uh, couple of years at the start of the 2013 season to the end of this last season. You saw a drop of 23 points for year over year. Uh, like you said, his goal total, he only had 13 this past season and it took him, I think almost 40 games to actually even get a goal. And his first one was an empty net goal. The which, is, which is stunning when you think of how much ice time he plays, how much power play time he plays. Snipers can lose it. And you, you've seen it with like a Rick Nash last year. Like these, these goal scorers can, can struggle and he might just be getting into that phase of his career where, you know, he's lost the touch. He doesn't have the physical play anymore. So, you know, he's, uh, he is on the wrong side of 30. He is 31 at the moment. You generally start seeing a bit of a decline once, once he hit that 30 mark. Not everyone suffers from it, but it seems to be hitting him a little harder. He was a plus player which is, you know, we said a strong Ducks team. Uh, maybe a couple guys are minus. He was on the plus side, plus 14. He's always been a pretty strong plus player. He's plus 138 for his career. But, yeah, looking at his 13 goals, uh, second lowest total of his career. So since he started in 2005-2006, he had 14 goals that season. He had 11 goals in 2011-12, and this year, uh, 13 goals. Terrible totals. Doesn't doesn't look very good. I think he is on the decline. That's why I have him as my overvalued player, and you have him as a falling player. Not someone I would spend big bucks on, or if you're in a snake draft or anything like that, not someone I would spend a high draft pick on. Someone, depending on the amount of teams in your league, someone that could be a third, fourth, fifth round guy. So a uh, a falling and overvalued player, not a not a stirring endorsement for Ryan Getzlaff right now. So overvalued, you went into yours. I'm going to go into mine. His running buddy Corey Perry, uh, you know another guy, big name. I've had Perry in the pools. I loved him when I had him on his peak. Fun player to watch. Fun game. 
but he's following the same trend as Getzloff. And there are two guys that really go hand-in-hand in that they came up together, they've been line mates forever, they've, had, they've won together internationally, all these sort of things. You always associate the two. That said, he's also 31, guy that's getting over, over the hump. He had his numbers from last year. Still solid numbers. And again, I'm not saying that he's done as a player, but somebody that I, I believe is going to go for a little too much in the auctions or the draft. So lowest power play goal numbers over the last five years. His lowest plus minus over the last five years. Lowest shots per game, which I think is an important category for a goal score. So lowest shots per game since his first full season on the league. You think of how long he's been playing in the league for. The thing that did save him, and sorry, one more low, lowest time on ice since his first full season. So you can see the Ducks are cutting back with both Perry and Getzlaff. What saved him last year, he had 24 power play points. 12 goals, 12 assists, great numbers in that category. Same with Ryan Getzloff, had strong power play numbers. If the Ducks' power play doesn't click, or these guys see a little less power play time, they could see a continued fall. That said, I don't think Perry's going to be a lot worse than he was last year. At 62 points, I think he hovers around the call it mid-50s to near that 62 level. But the peripheral numbers continue to decline. I think you see a drop in some power play. I think you see, again, a little bit less penalty minutes as he ages, a little bit less shots on goal. So still a good player, still the guy to have on your roster, but he might be more of a fourth or fifth forward on your team versus a number one or two forward you're going to build around. So thoughts on him Kev? Perry still a sexy name but like you said uh, goes hand in hand with Getzlaff uh, you see a lot of international play big name on the Ducks for years his numbers last year were actually a little up from uh, the 2014-15 season but he also did play 15 more games he jumped up 7 points over those 15 games so looking at half a point per game uh, not a terrible jump some of his outlier stats his penalty minutes are always fairly strong you can find guys with better better penalty minutes for you but he always hovers around the 65 to 70 uh, penalty minutes per year um, over the last few years always good to have if uh, you need someone that has penalty minutes uh, last year's goals uh, power play goals were up from the previous two years uh, which actually from the previous three years which is nice to see one thing but, on the power play points as you look at the 2014-15 season he had seven power play points in total Last year he had 24. It's going to be interesting to see which direction that goes for the Ducks because it's it's such a wide gap that if he had last year had seven power play points, his numbers would have been terrible. If he can keep up those 24 power play points, his numbers, you know, he continues to probably outperform my expectations. So I think that that might be one of the more interesting storylines on the Ducks fantasy-wise this year. You know, for me, my view is 98-point uh, career high. We're never going to see that again. We're definitely going to see him more in the 60 to 65 points. I don't see him dipping below the 60 for uh, two or three more years, barring injury or anything like that. He's still he's still serviceable. He's still good. I like him better than I like Getzlaff. But I would agree is, on that. 
Yeah, he is starting to trend downwards, but he's definitely a good source of goals. Always been more of a goal scorer than a uh, assist man. So if you're looking for someone to get goals, power play goals, shots, he still is good in most of the categories. His numbers are a little bit down, but not someone uh, I'd say is too overvalued. I, I still think he has value, but uh, it is starting to dwindle. But again, like we just said, I would definitely take him over Ryan Gesleff any day. Any money you want to put towards Gesleff is definitely better put towards Corey Perry. Agreed. So, undervalued. Who do you got there? I really like Hampus Lindholm. Uh, he's been someone I've had on my team. Actually, I believe you and I pulled a trade last year, and I sent him towards you. Um, and our, our heads-up uh, League of Champions out of Calgary, a lot of elite guys from Western Canada playing in that league, and, and we did swing that deal. I can't quite remember what was in the deal, but... Kevin Hayes, I think, went back to you. Uh, there was a couple. I got a lot of picks. Uh, I got like three or four picks in the deal, Kevin Hayes and one other other player. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know you were really searching for defensemen. I was searching for a forward. It's uh, very uh, position-based. We need left wings, right wings, and centers in that pool, so it kind of touched on needs for both of us. Yeah, Hayes, I Hayes could play all three positions. He qualified in our league as all three, which is rare and very valuable considering the league only carries a five-man reserve. So you essentially would go one goalie, one defenseman, and one of each forward positions for most teams' reserves. So Hayes did carry a lot of value there. Yeah, so uh, I have him as my undervalued uh, player for the Ducks right now. Last year, he saw a bit of a dip in his point totals, not breaking 30 points for the first time in his three-year career. Uh, but you definitely saw uh, some rising. Uh, his penalty minutes went up a little bit. Uh, he had a few more power play goals last year compared to the previous year. He scored a shorthanded goal for the first time ever. He's taking more shots. He's seen more time on ice. You know, definitely, definitely plus he scored more goals. His assists were down, but he had more goals than his previous years. Things that did go down, his plus minus, he ended with a plus seven. Again, a very strong Ducks team. His previous two years, though, he was a combined plus 54. So definitely a drop off on plus minus. For him, I, I love where he's going. He's definitely trending up. He's only 22 years old. You know, his best years are still ahead of him. You know, next year is going to take another step forward in my mind, break 35-point plateau for the first time. Year after that, possibly even break the 40. So in that if you're in a keeper league, might want to hold on to, have them have for the next couple of years, only going to get better. And I, I do like Lindholm a lot. I had him as my sleeper. A few things, you know, you touched on a lot of it, but fourth-year player generally see that breakout in the fourth year. Seems to be a, a strong NHL trend. 33 shots above his career high last year, so getting to that 149 level, which is good, assuming he takes a step forward. You can get up to 160, 180 as a defenseman. That's a very strong number. Did like that his previous two years combined, he only had 10 power play points, 15 last year, so beat you know his previous two years by five. Career highs in time on ice, career high in shooting percentage. What I really liked was post-All-Star break, so... He scored at a 41-point pace, a plus 33-point pace, 68-penalty-minute pace, 154 shots, and 22 penalty minutes if he just maintained that post-All-Star game pace. So I agree he's on the rise. 
only concern with any of the defensemen is there's a lot of defensemen there. So somebody's going to miss that power play time. I think we both agree Cam Fowler is one of them. It'll be interesting how they split up the rest of the time, and I think that that's going to have some strong fantasy impact there. Kicking back to undervalued, I've got Ryan Kessler. And the reason I'm going with Kessler is he's a name. Everybody knows him. He started off so poorly last year, though, that I think this year people are going to be down on him. He was a guy that in both the leagues, Kevin and I play together, was on the waiver wire. And you wouldn't have seen that in previous years, but he was terrible. He had had an awful first half. That said, he finished up with good numbers. He had his most points in five years, best plus minus over four years. Penalty minutes, he was a penalty minute a game guy for the third straight year, and he always has that gritty game to him, uh, likes to annoy the other teams. His most power play points in four years, so he does spend a lot of time on the, the first power play with the Ducks, which Gatzlaff and Perry were putting up numbers. We have talked about uh, the defensive depth there. Gets the same time on ice both seasons in Anaheim, so I think you can expect about the same. That said, I am concerned with the shots. They've declined quite a bit. I'm not saying he's going to be a, a guy that you're going to see numbers continue to go up. I think just based on how how badly he played at the start of last year, that poor taste he left in a lot of his owner's mouth, he may slip dollar value-wise in the auction, a few rounds in the draft, so could under could outperform sorry what he's being paid. Kev, uh, any thoughts on Kessler as a, a guy going forward? You and I definitely are thinking uh, along the same lines for him. You have him as undervalued. I actually have him as my sneaky value. You know, a lot of points you tossed on. He he sits behind Corey Perry and Ryan Gesleft as as a big name guy there. Uh, you know, people know his name from his time in Vancouver, where he was a goal scoring machine for them. Coming to Anaheim, he looks like the you know the third third big name guy for him. I love what he can bring to the table. Like you said, he's he's gritty. He can play that uh, net front presence. He can shoot. Still good for uh, about 70 PIM a year. Big big enough contract that they have to play him too. I believe this is the first year of his seven-year deal in Anaheim, which for a 31-year-old player, I don't think that deal is going to finish well for the Ducks, but they have no choice but to play him a ton of minutes. Yeah, oh, for sure. I I always have the same feeling when it's uh, someone on a team that makes a lot of money your hand is forced. You have to throw them out there as often as you can. You got to make make them, uh, you know, the general manager or whoever signed them. Uh, if they're still with the franchise, you got to make them look good. You know, you got to show that where you put your money was worth it, that it has good value, and you're not going to do that if you're sitting them. He's definitely, like I said, he's my sneaky value. Someone that I really, really like. I've had him on my team numerous years. If you can get him for a smaller price tag because of, like you said, he had a bad start to the year, that's all the better for you. He's He is always very good at scoring power play goals. His shot totals, as you pointed out, were a little lower than uh, normal. And I think if his shot totals get up, you're going to see a lot more actual goals, a lot more power play goals. He did finish the year with 21 goals, which is right around his average. He's good for about 20 to 25 per year. Yeah, last, yeah, last three years, 20 to 25 each season. So I think kind of consistently, you're not going to see him that 41 goal season he had with Vancouver way back when. But, you know, a guy that you can count on for 20 goals and be pretty consistent with those final numbers. Yeah, so, you know, it's he's worth trying to pick up. Again, if you 
uh, can get him for a good value, the better on you for it. Uh, I don't think he's going to be the, the guy that a lot of people look for from the Ducks. You know, you're throwing out his name in the auction very early. People might take a pass on him looking for those two bigger fish, you know, Corey Perry, Ryan Gesloff. Those are the names people are going to want to hit on. You know, maybe you can sneak away with, with a nice value, a sneaky value on Ryan Kessler. Yeah, I, I would agree. A good multi-category player, which depending Roto heads up how your league values different different amounts. He's a guy that is across the board, puts up some numbers. And, you know, I, I look at my bottom end forwards. If somebody's not going to score a ton of points, I really want to have a guy like Kessler that can get some penalty minutes, some power play points some shots on goal. We'll get a mix of everything that's in there and uh, a guy that does have some values. I don't believe we've touched on your sleeper yet. Who do you no, have we have your sleeper? Uh, my sleeper, which I said we touched on it uh, a little earlier, you we were talking about John Gibson. My sleeper is actually going to be Jonathan Bernier. It might seem like an odd pick, but uh, I did mention earlier that John Gibson has had injury issues in the past. Uh, he's still fairly young, fairly inexperienced. His career games, I think, sits under 80. So if he falters, Jonathan Bernier can be their pick up, pick up the slack. He had a, let's face it, Bernier had a terrible time in Toronto. I took a flyer on him a couple times and uh, paid the price for it. His, his number is terrible. Last year, he... Uh, Ended with 12 wins and 21 losses, a save percent of 908. He he was playing in front of a terrible team. Let's, 288 yeah. goals against too, which is not great. But I I do agree with you that the Bernier that played on the West Coast when he was with the Kings, playing a lot of good backup minutes for them, was much better than the Bernier that played in Toronto, who three seasons in Toronto, 269 goals against, 287, 288 all bottom of the league type numbers, but the guy that was playing in LA, his final season there, mind you, small sample size, 14 games, had a 187 goals again. So it might be one of those things where the West Coast is the best coast for Bernier. So not that old, 27 years old, so a guy within his prime, really dependent, I think, on John Gibson, whether the, the Bernier pick and it does have a lot of hype I mean, today we're, we're doing this podcast on August 8th Bernier's starting to pick up a little bit of steam as a name in the, the Roto Leagues that I think you're going to see stashed so so for me if uh, if you don't have Gibson and you want to take a flyer you have an open spot and you want some leverage on someone Bernier is a good guy to take with last second last pick something like that someone you can stash away and if Gibson goes down which I think could inevitably happen uh maybe that's who you uh throw it as an offer get a get a nice pick for the following year or a young player really take advantage of the fact that gibson could go down and that's that is the big question with gibson i i like the move for the ducks it was a very you know almost no cost pickup for them and bernie is a guy that i believe has one year left on his deal so if it doesn't work out they don't need to play him maybe he just becomes a backup again if he does see some time, a guy that certainly started. And, you know, I, I think that it's a much easier market to play in Anaheim where they're maybe the 10th most followed team in the area behind, you know, your L.A. Lakers, your Clippers, your NFL, your college basketball, college football, all these different things there. Bernie in Toronto was on the team, and he was a guy that was scrutinized nonstop. He's, he's a pro athlete with very little face time in Southern California, so... 
could be a guy on a on a bounce back, and I do agree with you that a guy that you got John Gibson, you want to handcuff Jonathan Bernier this year. Going into rookies, who do you got as your rookie, Kev? Well, you know I've been huge on this guy for a few years. I actually have him in all all my pools, carried him forward as one of my keepers. It's Shea Theodore. Again, Anaheim, strong defensive end. He's only 21 years old right now. He got his first taste of NHL action last year. He only played in 19 games with Anaheim, uh, ended with eight points through those 19 games. So we're looking almost at uh, half a point per game, not quite. Uh, Pretty good for a, a rookie defenseman to come in, get that kind of production. My only issue with him right now, might have trouble cracking the lineup. Again, just that super, super deep defensive core in Anaheim. Uh, I'm waiting for Cam Fowler to be moved. It might be partway through the season before Theodore really gets a, a legitimate shot at it, but uh, at, at a job. But, you know, he's he's had good numbers in the AHL before he was called up last year. He uh, had 37 points through 50 games. Respectable numbers for a defenseman in the AHL. I, I just love where he's projecting to uh he's definitely a, a top four defenseman in the nhl uh, first power play unit defenseman in the nhl someone that i think if he keeps going the way he is should be a 40 plus point defenseman in the nhl and, and i would agree with you i think that he's the rookie pick on this team i think that a guy everybody's looking to you know you you always do a good job on your prospect defenseman position that you've always been strong at in our pools and a guy that you know looking over the rosters and the leagues we play and seeing him on your team it's not likely that he's going to be a guy anybody's taken from you so fully agree there uh, a couple other points in 2014-2015 where he was in the whl and then made the jump to the ahl put up 59 points in 52 games between those leagues not all of it really dominating the whl he had uh, 11 points in nine games in the AHL. So proved he could score at that level as well. Another stat that I looked at, so when we talk about ice time, there was 15 games he played last year that neither Sammy Vatten or Cam Fowler was in the lineup, put up seven points in those. So it would have put him on a 38-point pace somewhere in that range. So a guy that I really like. One other name that did hit my radar for this team and a guy that I think is a little bit further out was Nick Ritchie. Not necessarily a rookie, but another young player with 33 games played last year. I think 25 is qualification for uh, official rookie status, but a power forward I think maybe has a chance to move up. Certainly not a guy I've got on the level of Shea Theodore. Maybe somebody for a, a dynasty league for somebody to take a look at. So I agree with you, Kev. I think big things in place for Theodore when Cam Fowler has moved or maybe they surprise us and move one of their other defensemen. Theodore steps in. I think he sees power play time, and I have him as a guy that, you know, he might be a defenseman putting up 50 plus points some years down the line. So, and uh, uh, just to just to swing back, Nick Ritchie was actually my second uh, pick for a hot prospect as well. Someone that was drafted only in 2014. He was drafted 10th overall uh, by the Ducks. He's only played one season in the AHL, and that was actually the season that just passed. And before he got called up to the Ducks, he did have 30 points in 38 games uh, and had 59 penalty minutes. So someone that does have have potential. He did play nine games in the playoffs for San Diego last year as well, scoring eight points uh, with 20 pim through those nine games. So someone, like you said, not, not an immediate fantasy impact, but someone maybe down the line that will, will jump up, make a significant 
significant contribution to the Ducks. Almost in a Corey Perry mold, but not not quite. He's a Corey Perry light, if you will. Someone that can uh, get some points and definitely get some penalty minutes. Won't be as big a score as Corey Perry, but someone that is so uh, you know someone to look forward to maybe two years, three years down the line. And I would agree with you there. I think power forwards seem to develop a little bit slower. I always look at one of my one of my favorite players in his peak, Todd Bertuzzi, guy that was hated in the back of in his career, but you know, prior to the slashing incident, was a guy that took a long time to ramp his game up. And you tend to see that with big power forwards. Richie's a big dude, 232 pounds. You know, a guy that will take some time. But as you mentioned, Perry, I think he's in a nice position that his mentors are Corey Perry, Ryan Getzlaff, guys that have played that physical game, added some skill in there. You've got, you know, a guy like Ryan Getzlaff who's got – or sorry, not uh, – Yes, I have Ryan Kessler, a guy who's got a lot of grit to him, some good defensive skills. So I think Richie's in a system where it will take time for him to play, but the mentors teaching him how to play the game in that Ducks fashion, that good power forward fashion. You know, a guy with a bright future, a stash in a dynasty league. If you're in a one-year pool, I don't think you're going to get a lot of contribution, but if you're playing for the long term, setting up that prospect system, definitely a guy that, uh, I want to get my hands on with the Ducks. So um, only one that I don't think we've touched on between you and myself, and it's interesting to see we've agreed, even though uh, not necessarily the same categories for some of these guys, but a lot of agreement on players. For my sneaky value player, I've got Richard Rackle, a guy that I think is really dependent on where he plays, given that Randy Carlisle is coming back. You can see a shakeup in these forward lines, natural centermen, has spent a lot of time on the wings with uh, Perry and Getzlaff over points last year. We put up some very nice numbers. That said, played a 59-point pace, so he's not going to knock your socks off, but he may be drafted or bid on in that 40-point type range. A guy that probably has upside maybe to 60 points if he plays on the first line. Not a huge shooter, was on pace for 176 last year, so even seeing some extra ice time, 200 shots, which is... Average for a forward, still a young player, 23 years old, only third full year, so might be another year or two away from breaking out. But if he does play with Perry and Getzlaff, uh, you know, I think you could see some outperformance of his draft position or his auction value. Again, I, I think I'd be comfortable saying a mid-50s point, give or take uh, seven or eight either direction. Bottom end, though, if he doesn't see the ice time with them and he ends up playing more third-line center, he could be a disappointment at that 40 level. So I think some risk-reward, but probably a little more reward than risk when it comes to Rackle. I'm going to agree with you. Um, I liked his jump in goals, uh, 11 more goals this year over the previous year, uh, only and actually one, uh, only one more assist. So his goal total has definitely gone up. He took... 64 more shots from 2014-15 to 2015-16. So it was nice to see his shot total go up and for him to be rewarded with 11 more goals. Someone that I I feel the same with you is he's a risk-reward player. Someone that, depending on where he gets slotted on the Ducks, could could have some nice value. I know last year he did uh, end up losing some time at the end of the year. I believe he had an appendectomy or something. He had been on a pretty good run until he went out with that injury. 
obviously that's out of the way shouldn't have any issues with that but someone that i agree should have uh, should have and could have uh, some sneaky value going into next year so overall on the duck your, your opinion if you know you're looking at a team as a whole and i know a lot of guys like to draft more than one player from a team just makes it easier to follow in a lot of instances or they like having the line mates so if you can get somebody you know what one goal from a line you may get two or three points your opinion on the ducks as a, a fantasy team overall is it a team you, you're going to be targeting certain players with value or a team you're going to try and stay away from definitely a team i would target i think there's more positive players on there than negative there's a few negative guys we never touched on that I would stay away from guys that, whose value is completely dropped off the map. Uh, Kevin Bieta used to used to be really good pool guy. Doesn't give the stats anymore. Someone I wouldn't touch. Andrew Cogliano never really been a big name. Hasn't missed a game since the start of his career, I believe. But doesn't really put up put up the numbers. You know, those are those are guys that I'd stay away from. But there's so many good guys on the team, and Anaheim's always such a force to be reckoned with that I would preferably have more guys from the ducks than i would some other teams out there so definitely a team that i feel has more positive effects for your fantasy team going forward and a good developmental team because you see a lot of these guys that have come through the pipeline and as we talked earlier john gibson frederick anderson both guys that came through that system talking about their depth on defense cam fowler another guy they drafted we think is going to get traded but they then have shea theodore to fill his spot only area of concern for me is I, I think their forwards at some point are going to age and they may age all together because Kessler, Getzlaff, and Perry are all 31. They've all played a lot of seasons. The 31 isn't necessarily old, but they have more miles on their legs. I don't think this is going to be the year. Defending champions of the Pacific Division, a team that I think is in the mix to win that division again this year. The big story might be how they perform under Randy Carlisle returning as the coach, but I like them from a fantasy perspective. If you've got some ducks on your team, particularly guys that we've just talked about, it, it should be a good boost for you. So we're, we're both buying Anaheim Ducks stock this year. Team that has a, a little bit less in terms of firepower, we're going to move on to our second one, Arizona Coyotes. So, Kev, we'll, we'll kick it off with your end there, your rising Arizona Coyotes. Tough call on this one. There's two players that are definitely on the rise. I think they go hand-in-hand, hand, really both busted on the scene this previous year. I'm looking at Max Domi and Anthony Duclair. Domi drafted by uh, Arizona, and Duclair came over from the Rangers in the Keith Yandel trade, both of them uh, 21 and 20 respectively. Both ended fairly close in points, eight points off from each other. Get Max Domi ended with 52 points, uh, 18 goals, and 34 assists. Anthony Duclair, 44 points with 20 goals and 24 assists. These are guys that are going to grow together and I believe will be the cornerstones of Arizona going forward. I love where their potential is. I'm excited to see what year two is going to bring for both these players. Just, just really good, really good feeling about those two players going forward. There's not a lot of firepower, as you were saying, on Arizona, but these are two guys that uh, I would love to have on my team. For Max Domi, he uh, liked to muck it up. He had 72 penalty minutes, ended with three power play goals on a weaker defensive team, and actually one of the worst defensive teams in the league. He ended as a plus player, uh, which is just phenomenal. He ended plus three. Anthony Especially Cole, as a rookie, too, where he's playing... Yeah. You're playing tough minutes. You don't know what to expect. And I think probably easy to take a night off when you're 
Tuesday night in Columbus and you're, you're the Coyote mid-February and your team's not playing well. But for him to still have been a plus playing against some strong players, I, I think that that's a, a nice start for Domi and something you definitely have to give him kudos in year one. You know, and he didn't play um, the most minutes. He His average time on ice was 16 minutes, and uh, he is a diabetic. Quite sure uh, how how severe it is. I, I thought it was on the more severe end, you know, for him to not take a night off and continue on like he does. It just shows his commitment to growing, which I think is huge. I think he's going to be a great fantasy player going forward. And jump back to the other player I mentioned, Anthony Duclair. Um, he did have less points than Domi, and with 44 points, he was a plus player as well, plus 12. Actually, a lot better than Domi was. Uh, he played two minutes uh, on average a night less than Domi. He took less penalty minutes, but actually had eight power play goals. So more power play goals than Domi as well. So both these guys, I, they're both rising. I think they're both going to be stars. Maybe not superstars in the league, but definitely stars. And definitely guys I would target to have on my team. And I, I chose Domi as my rising player too. So some things I liked about his game last year, really consistent, scored pre-All-Star game, 0.63 points a game, post-All-Star game, 0.65 points a game. So didn't hit that rookie wall anywhere in there, continued to you know really be consistent throughout the season. And some of that might have been the lineage. His dad played in the NHL for a long time, was my most hated player for a very long period of time. I was never a fan of Ty Domi, but always a, a tough player. Definitely had a little more hype in Canada through the media than I ever felt like he should have. But that said, his brand, he did his thing well. He got paid for it. Arguably the most famous enforcer that the NHL's ever seen, particularly in Canada. I still see him do some junky ads on TV from time to time. When you're the son of an NHL player, you get an idea of what the grind is going to be like, has seen the road with his dad, knows a bit about the ups and downs. So I agree with uh, with Domi on that one. And looking at his pedigree and something that I always like to look at is what kind of numbers did you put up in your junior career, his final season in the OHL, and a season that was controversial in Canada. A lot of guys felt that he didn't perform to his height and that he had a bit too much confidence for his team's little, you know, cocky. And cocky was a word that was describing Ty Domi as well. He had 102 points in 57 games. If that's considered a down year, I like your pedigree. I think Domi is, of the two of them, I think he ends up being slightly better. That said, I do like Duclair a lot. Question being, is is there a concern from your end, Kev, looking at a sophomore slump for either one of these guys? It's possible. Like we said, Arizona doesn't have uh, a lot of firepower. Uh, I like the direction they're trending in. They kind of know what it's like first year uh, of being in the league now. I think they're going to be hungry. I can see a drop-off, but if it's a drop-off, it won't be a lot. I actually think both these players will be about on par for what they did this year or a step up. Uh, I see Domi flirting with the 60-point plateau, and I see uh, Duclair uh, flirting with 55 points. So and slight increases, but not not a lot. And I would agree. If I'm in a, a dynasty keeper league and my team is struggling out of the gate or being objective with your lineup, you know, looking at your team, and not trying to sugarcoat your odds of being competitive. If you're not in a position where you can win this year or you feel like you're in better position to rebuild, I would definitely target that tandem. I think that they've got a lot of potential going forward, and I agree with you. I, I don't think the Coyotes are going to score a lot of goals this year. What they do score, they're going to be a part of it. Oliver Ekman-Larsen, 
beast defenseman should be a part of it, but it will be a low scoring team. Two years from now, though, I think that that's likely to change because they have young talent. I'd love to see them use their cap room a little bit better. These, uh, you know, Chris Pronger and Pavel Datsuk both on their roster eating up a significant amount of cap room is uh, a waste for these young players. But two years from now, both of them are cleared off. And over some point, maybe they do attract a free agent or two there. So I like where they're going. I like Domi. I like Duclair. In terms of your falling player, Kev, who's the one taking a step back on this roster? Guy taking a step back, hands down, has to be Shane Doan. He's 39 years old. He's played he's played his whole career with Winnipeg, Arizona. So last year he had 47 points, ended with 28 goals, 19 assists. A huge year uh, in retrospect for him. 20, 28 goals is big for most people in the league. But to have a 39-year-old dude is is monstrous. He also had 98 PIM last year. Again, someone uh, I, I like guys can get you PIM and points. So he looked for last year. He looked good. It looked like he was stuffing in the stats a bit. But that being said, his previous year he only had 36 points, 14 goals, and 22 assists. So he doubled his goals from the previous year. Uh, you don't see that happen very often. Uh, and again, not with someone his age. Definitely losing a stat he there's no way he's going to be able to do what he did last year i swear kev we did not discuss any of our picks for the listeners out there that are tired of seeing us in agreement i've got the exact same player i think shane doan had an outlier career late in career year 12 power play goals last year what really stood out to me was his shooting percentage was 16.5 percent which is a a phenomenal number for anyone his career shooting percentage was 10.4 percent so assuming that he goes back to even that career average that puts him down call it 10 12 points next year which really means he goes from a guy who outperformed to a guy that you're saying you know he's done there's going to be somebody that likes the name and maybe it's just filling a bottom end of a an auction or a draft but a guy that I'm definitely staying away from. Had a hell of a career, a good leader in the locker room for these young players, but not somebody I'd count to replicate last year's numbers. Yeah, you might want to just, like you said, he's a name guy. He's been in the league for a long time. Maybe that's someone, if you're in an auction, a name you throw out, uh, hoping someone uses a roster spot and some valuable cash on picking up someone who's not going to be able to replicate uh, last year's totals. There is value. You know, you mentioned roster spots, something that, the poolies need to keep in mind is every league or every league I've ever played in has a maximum number of roster spots you can carry. If you're in a league that has, for example, 20 roster spots and Shane Doan's taken one up, that's a guy that he's just eaten one of those roster spots at the end of a draft or an auction. When you're able to maybe pull a deep sleeper out, he can't do it because he's filled a spot with a Shane Doan. So I would rather take a gamble at the end of an auction on somebody who's got some upside rather than filling a spot with Shane Doan who doesn't really have upside, probably more uh, significant downside than than any upside or even hitting just the level of the previous years. In terms of your uh, overvalued, Kev, who's, uh, who's overvalued on this roster? And my overvalued would be Mike Smith. I know every, every fantasy team needs at least one goalie. Mike Smith is not a guy I would touch as a goalie. He did miss significant time last year due to, I believe, an oblique injury. But his 
career hasn't been very good. His career high, which is actually pretty nice, is 38 wins. That was 2011-12. Beyond that, you got 2013-14, he had 27 wins. And besides that, he's never broke 20 wins in a season. His goals against average was 263. His save uh, percentage was 916. Just not not a guy I'd want. He's 34 years old, coming off a, a, fairly, uh, a fairly significant injury. I, I just worry that people are going to overvalue him uh, because he is a starting goalie. Not someone that I would want on my team. Ladies and gentlemen of the internet, we have our first disagreement. I have Mike Smith as my undervalued player, Kev. I, I actually agree with you on a lot of points. You know, a guy that's probably not winning a lot of games. That said, last year his numbers finished better than they started. And I'm not saying they were great, but he finished at 263 goals against. Yeah, it's okay for Arizona, 916 save percentage. These numbers were in line with what he did in 2013-2014, almost identical in fact. He had a 264 goals against and 915 save percentage, so right in line there. Where I do think that Mike Smith is going to see some value is he does have one of those monster contracts. So if you're in a league that values saves, values minutes played, he's a guy that should see a lot of starts because he he makes too much money to ride the pine. And again, I'm not going to say go out and chase him as your number one goalie, but I feel like there's leagues where he may not be drafted or he might be drafted as the worst starting goaltender in that league. I don't think he's going to outperform it a ton. But I do think that he probably sees equivalent goals against and save percentage of last year. And I think you probably see him around that 60-game mark. You know, over his five years he's been in Phoenix, and one of those being a lockout-shortened year, he's played 60 games, and factoring the lockout-shortened year in, he would have played 60 games every year up until last year. So guy that should see start. The peripheral numbers aren't going to be great, but I think he sees some start. So, Kev, you want to you put a little bet down and put it on the board? Mike Smith, do we have a 263 goals against from last year to over-under on it? You, you know, I like, I like what they... I, I, yeah, that's a tough call. Um, I like where uh, Arizona's going with their defense. I feel they've made some decent signings, but I don't think they've improved enough. I'm going to go with uh, over 263. All right, I'll take uh, I'll take 263 or under, and to be determined on our bet. But we're gonna have to figure it out over the course of these previews. Next podcast we come back with, we'll figure a wager out. But I will take the under on the 263. I don't think he's gonna beat it by much. I think he might come in at 260, but I think he's slightly uh, slightly undervalued. So. Well, it's it's tough because I look at his 2014-2015 stats, 14 wins, 42 losses, uh, and a goals against average of 316. So, you know, it's it, maybe it's an anomaly for him. Maybe it was just an off year. Arizona's going through some transition. but I'm, I'm no- not getting a lot of confidence in my wager when you bring up a number like that. Yeah, 14 and 42 is a tough season for a goaltender. That is the worst records of all time. That has to be near that for a goalie that's played more than 60 games. Yeah, when you when your uh, you know, career high in wins is 38 in a season and your career high in losses in a season is 42, doesn't bode well for uh, for him or for this bet uh, on your end. Yeah, we will see. So that said, going on the overvalued, I'm taking the, the other goaltender in the system, Louis Domingue, a guy that I had last year, played a little bit when he first started. I, I was in need of some goaltending help for a couple of weeks. And he started off hot, 
seven wins in his first 11 games over the rest of the season. And this was definitely a factor of the Coyotes suck. But he only had eight wins in his last 28 games. So I don't think he sees a lot of ice this year just based on the fact that Smith has a big contract. I think Domingue is a 20 to 25 game. I think that he his name may carry some value. And there's going to be people looking at him as a possibility of taking that job. I don't see it for a while. They're still paying Smith. Domingue didn't have a lot of minor league pedigree either. So the previous two years, he'd only played 43 games and 29 games. So a guy that, you know, sometimes goalies can just come out and get on a hot run and then the league figures him out. I think that happened with Domingue last year. Uh, A guy that I think is overvalued this year. Not a bet I'm willing to take that he takes that job over. So for you, Kev, you know, you mentioned Mike Smith is overvalued. Who are you taking on the undervalued side? My undervalued from dealing with people, I actually have Oliver Ekman Larson as undervalued. I know he's a, a name, but around the league, I don't think he's as well known as he should be. I don't believe people out east take notice of uh, of him as much as they should. He is an elite defenseman. You look at him, he is a stat stuffer. He's got, uh, Last year, he's coming off 21 goals, 34 assists, and 55 points, career high. He had 96 penalty minutes. 12 of his 21 goals were power play goals. I think playing, playing on uh, a fringe team like Arizona makes it so people don't value him as highly as they should you look at arizona you think maybe not a bet you know a very good bet a very good team he's definitely someone that should be a number one defenseman on pretty much any any fantasy team i think he's just undervalued based solely on where he plays really the only thing you can point at in his game that has some question mark to it a minus six not a bad number given how poor that team played but I do agree with you that those in the know are chasing him as a, a number one defenseman. You know, looking at the shots, top five in shots for defensemen, second power play goals. I like get you get twelve power play goals out of a defenseman. That's amazing. You know, only trailed Shea Weber last year. I like the grit. Tons of penalty minutes. Just a, a guy. In fact, for defensemen qualifying in our leagues, he was he was the sixth highest defenseman in penalty minutes. You're almost getting a goon-like stats out of him for a guy that's ultra-skilled. So maybe a guy that is worthy of a higher bid. You know, I, and I, I love his game. I think he is truly a, a superstar that doesn't get the mention. He's got a fun game, a franchise defenseman. I'd like to see the Coyotes be able to put a winner around him because to me he's the kind of defenseman you can win a cup with. Agreed. Hands down, I agree with that. You know, they when they traded Keith Yandel, they looked at Oliver Ekman Larson and said, this is our guy going forward. Yandel's expendable. Let's get some assets for him and build around this guy. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, them bringing in uh, Goligoski, you know, giving him another defenseman that can eat up a lot of minutes, play some power play, should help. You know, if, if you were to say in a just pure auction league, if he went for the most money of any defenseman, I don't think you're really going wrong there. I think he's going to put up numbers worthy of that level. Sleeper pick, Kev. I'll, I'll go with my guy, and I had a lot of trouble figuring out my sleeper here because to me this is a team I didn't have a ton of guys I like, but I chose Tobias Ryder. 30 points in 49 games prior to the All-Star break and apparently just quit after the All-Star break. He stunk over the second part. Plus minus league, he has a stay away. It was minus 21 last year. In the first 49 games of the all Prior to the All-Star break, he was on a 220-shot pace. You know, maybe he's got 50-point upside, 220 shots. Again, not a lot of sleepers I'm really digging on this team, but Ryder seems like a guy with 
a little bit of upside, especially if you're in a really deep pools. Any sleepers you like on this roster? My sleeper was your uh, overvalued guy, uh, Domingue. I actually have... Like I said, I have him as my sleeper pick. Uh, he came into the league on fire, you know, and he definitely tailed off towards the end. Previous things I said, Mike Smith, I don't trust him. Not someone that uh, I'd look for as a starter. For me, Dominguez falls under the same uh, category as uh, Jonathan Bernier, where if something happens to Mike Smith, he can fill in. If you look at it uh, from when he first came into the pipes, uh, between the pipes there, Domingue had a record of 9-5-3, and three, a 231 goals against average, and a 924 save percentage. Uh, he did end up finishing with a 15-18-5 and five record, uh, and his goals against average did jump up to 275. So obviously some bad numbers after his hot start. But I look at Smith coming off a decent-sized injury. He's 34 years old. I mean, he's 24 years old. I think he could could be a sleeper. I don't think he's going to take the starter job all year, but he's definitely someone that, again, might be someone that you might want on your side, on your bench, uh, as a possibility to play more than 20 games this year. I think that in a, a dynasty league, and we've talked about how much we like the young pieces in, in Arizona, Domingue may have some more value in that type of a league if you believe that this year, you know, maybe he gets 35 games under Smith and next year Smith's the one getting 35 games under Domingue. So interesting there. He's just playing behind a contract. And I, as much as I don't want to say Smith is going to do it just contract wise, he's got a big deal and Domingue doesn't. Interesting to see. We, we have some disagreement there. That said for Anyone who's chasing these Coyote goalies, if you're banking your fantasy team on which Coyote goaltender is going to be the one to steal the job, you're probably not contending for your league titles. These would be guys that may get you a couple of hot weeks, but I, I think that I'm probably staying away from this goaltending situation either direction that it goes. Uh, one of the things I will uh, like to say for you, you keep mentoring Mike, Mike Smith's large contract that uh, it's a reason that he might play out of all the teams in the NHL this year. I think Arizona is the one team that actually might not follow the mold where they make make sure their high ticket guys play. Uh, you know, they bring in a new GM, a, a young GM definitely more analytics based GM and you know we we see him get rid uh, get rid of Antoine Vermet no, I wasn't a big fan of him wanted to bring in or open up some room for younger guys if there's one GM I think that would uh, like to see things done a little differently where you might see so a big ticket guy take a backseat to someone that's younger uh, and has a lower price tag it, it might be in Arizona it's possible and I, I do think that it's interesting they're going in the analytics fashion because analytics has had its a strong run in other sports. You know, it started off uh, baseball, Moneyball. If you've you know, great movie, great book. If you're you're interested in any of that, it started to get a little bit of run in hockey. But it seems like hockey definitely has more old school GMs that aren't a fan of the analytics. At some point, some team's going to surprise and start that analytics revolution. I don't know who that team's going to be, but I, I feel like it's going to come. You know, there's a, some advanced stats you're starting to see. I've taken a look at a few of them. Some of them are relevant to the pool. Some of them aren't. It would be interesting to see the, the Coyotes go in that direction. So, uh, rookie Kev, and I, I think this is probably, you know, I'm going to guess a guy that we're in agreement on. Who, who are you going with as your rookie? 
Well, uh, if I had to figure who you're talking about, it was going to be Dylan Strom. Just to kind of break the mold, though, I'm going to go with Anthony D'Angelo. Yeah, picked up from Tampa Bay uh, at the draft. You know, a guy that has a lot of promise. He's a defenseman, 20 years old, played his first full season in the AHL last year. Had 60, or pardon me, through 69 games, he had 43 points, 84 penalty minutes. Uh, was a m- minus 18, very ugly number there. And he is very more focused on the offense than he is the defense which you know can hurt him breaking into the league but uh really good numbers through his last 89 or pardon me for through his last 55 games in junior he had 89 points has a lot of upside for the offensive side of the game if you don't worry about taking a hit on the plus minus side of things definitely someone that uh, is is worth a look definitely could be a point per game was a point per game player in junior won't be a point per game player in the NHL, but could be a half a point per game guy. Looking a couple of years down the line, especially in Arizona, that has weaknesses on their defense and need uh, some sparks, you know, need someone to score some points, make some plays happen. Again, going back to analytics. I think they look at him and say, hey, this is a guy that can get the puck out of our end quick. Nice transition game and um, can shoot, can, you know, do do all those kind of things to help us get on the board, win a few more games. Someone I think could make the jump this year, depending uh, how he looks in camp. But if not this year, could uh, could get a top six role next year in the uh, NHL. And it's surprising because I looked at that as the most surprising trade of the offseason. I love Steve Eiserman as a GM. He's, in my opinion, the best GM in the league. But he gave away D'Angelo for a second-round draft choice. And I, I felt D'Angelo had one of the highest ceiling scoring-wise of any young defenseman that was out there. So I really liked what Arizona did with that deal. But it makes me wonder, does Tampa Bay know something that Arizona doesn't? Is there an attitude issue? Is there an off-ice problem? Is he a party guy? I don't know what it is. But I do agree that there's a lot of upside with him. He's a player to keep an eye on. He was a guy at the end of last season in our Roto pool. I strongly considered my final keeper pick to be D'Angelo because I felt he had that type of upside. Braid to Arizona, I definitely, you know, it, it makes me wonder what happened there. If he maybe just wasn't a fit in Tampa Bay. Who knows, but I, I do like him. To me, he's the second best guy. You mentioned Dylan Strom. That's who I'm taking as my rookie. Uh, reasons why? I think he's going to get ice time. He's a guy that has that top draft choice status, uh, anointed as a, a golden boy within the system. And when we talk pedigree, last two years in the OHL, 129 points in 68 games. Two seasons ago, 111 points in 56 games. So, you talk scoring pedigree, tough to beat that. Family history, so another guy that's got some family within the league. Ryan Strom, his brother, longtime Islander prospect, uh, a guy I'm sure we're going to have some discussions about once we hit the Islander system. And guy that can play a little defense, plus 70 over his final two years in junior. So doesn't hurt when you're scoring two points a game. Obviously, that's going to help plus minus. Uh, not a guy that's putting him up just on special teams. So, you know, I don't know if he's going to get that cornerstone 80-point player level, but a guy I think you can see comfortably around that 70-point mark and putting up a nice first power play with Duclair and Domi, OEL, and, uh, you know, be it Goligoski, be it D'Angelo, but whoever they build around, you know, a year from now, two years from now, whatever it's going to be. So the last one, Kev, are, are sneaky value picks. So who's uh, the sneaky valuable 
Coyote, in your opinion? Another tough choice. Again, the system not uh, not the greatest yet in in Arizona. Uh, it might seem like an odd thing. I had him as my falling player, but I also have him as my sneaky value. I think Shane Doan might actually come through as a sneaky value. Again, you look at last year's numbers; is definitely up from the previous uh, previous year. And maybe playing with a lot of younger players has rejuvenated him. He's you know the gray beard of the group, but because of that, maybe he'll get a, a little more ice time than he should normally. A little more power play time. I think I think there is some sneaky value in him, even though he is my falling player. I think if you can get him on a very cap friendly deal or in a very late round of uh, your draft, someone that might still be worth taking a flyer on. You know, in a, in a weekly pool, might be a guy you can slide into your lineup if they have four games that week and you're playing the the right wing position. So possibility, and this again, this is a tough team to pull some of these players out because. Aside of their their prospects, there's not a lot of talent on this roster. So I chose uh, Martin Hansel, who looks like should be their first-line type player. Spent some time with uh, Duclair and Domi last year. A guy that gets hurt a lot, a real injury-prone type guy. What I do like about him is that he generally starts hot. So maybe a guy you want to invest in for the first couple of weeks of your season. At some point, he's going to get hurt, though. Did have 13 power play points last year. You should see first power play ice time, assuming that Dylan Strom doesn't see that right now. And it's just its not because he's a great player. It's just a lack of options on that roster. So, you know, a little bit of grit, 77 penalty minutes in 64 games last year. And it's just one of those things where they don't have enough talent that you're forced to play someone. Hansel's one of those guys. He makes a little bit of money, been in the system for a long time. Seems to have some respect of management. You know, should see a bit of sneaky value in that sense. Not a guy I love, but maybe a guy you can see better numbers than what you're you're paying or draft for. So overall, Kev, Coyotes, team you like, team you're staying away from. Where do you value this? Looking at your uh, your roster going into 2016, 2017. This roster is a roster I majorly stay away from. There's a handful of guys I like, a handful of guys I'd want on my team, but the majority of theirs, uh, Arizona Coyotes, I stay away from. I give them a no go. Not not a team I like. Yeah, and I would say Ekman Larson, guy that you definitely want to get worth paying the price for. Alex Goligoski, a guy we didn't really touch on, but should see some power play time. He, if I if I had a list uh, Goligoski, he might be my second sneaky value guy. He's going to be the number two defenseman behind OEL. You know, you look at his numbers: thirty-seven points last year, thirty-six points the year before that, forty-two the year before that. He's he's had decent numbers through his career. He has played with a lot of good players, Pittsburgh, and then going into Dallas. A lot of uh, offensive threats on those teams, and I think we're starting to see a few of those young guys in Arizona that could step up and be uh, those same type of threats. Still a year or two away, maybe, but he could be a sneaky value guy. Yeah, and I, I would agree that he's probably, uh, name-wise, might be a little bit forgotten that he's no longer on a high-profile team like Dallas, so Goligoski could be a guy that people forget. And if he fills out your, your defenseman, you're probably doing okay. Forward-wise, to me, it's there's not much there if you're not building on the young guys, so Domi, Duclair, and Strom. Really like them as a combo going down the line, but for this year... I'm not chasing any of their forwards. Even to fill out the bottom of my roster, there's not much that I like. So I think Arizona is a team to stay away from unless you're building for the future or you have a chance to land 
Larson or Goligoski. So that's it, Kev. We're uh, banged out about 75, 80 minutes for podcast here today. What we're going to continue to do for the listening audience, this is our this is our preview magazine. You're going to find these coming out on a regular basis. We'll hit two or three teams depending on uh, our time we take to cover them give you a breakdown of who we like on those rosters and you know really try and guide you in a direction to a winning roster in your league so parting thoughts kev anything to do with these squads and and i do have to push you kev we need to get you on twitter talking hockey you got a lot of value and again feedback's been good on your initial episode i think feedback's going to be good on this one so if the social media world wants to get a hold of you we got to get you on there, Kev. Not not just for your hockey talk. You're a great guy in terms of pop culture knowledge too. A lot of good comedy knowledge. So we need the push. The listening audience is going to want it. We got to get you on there. So before next podcast, we got to get a Twitter handle for you and get you on the socials. So parting thoughts on your social media presence, Kev. Getting that Kevin brand out there and what we talked about today in terms of Arizona and Anaheim. Looking to secure a name for Twitter. Not too sure what I wanted to be yet. Probably probably play into a little bit of humor and a little bit of hockey at the same time. You know, looking looking forward to really interacting with the listeners and uh, the viewers of the website, the people that really want to know a little more in depth. If they want to ask me a question through there that I can answer answer for him quickly things like that so definitely looking forward to a little more interaction once i get that set up hopefully by the next podcast i have something raring to go and uh you know people can contact me directly and then for the two teams we covered today i just my thoughts on everyone we're we're giving you a lot of good information here but never just solely rely on the, the bits we give you definitely delve more more into uh, every team that we give you going through us let us let us coach you a little more hands-on than what we're giving you right now we have knowledge that i'm sure we've held back a little bit from dave you know i held back from him he's held back from me some other ideas we have that we didn't really get a touch on you know we're we're giving you uh, some good information here but it's, it's not going to be the, the full story. We don't have enough time to cover it all. Definitely, if, if you have more stuff, let Dave and I know that you want to know about. That's that's about all I can say about the, every team that we're going to cover is that. All right, well, appreciate your time, Kev. Look forward to doing the rest of these rosters. So we'll have 15 podcasts, banging out a couple of teams each. You know, we're going 45 minutes per squad. Lots of information that's out there and some fun ones coming up. So anything changes with these rosters as we go forward, we'll do some updates as well. So if there's a training camp injury, you get a hot rookie, maybe jumping onto a line, sleeper players, trades, any of those sorts of things. So in closing tonight, you know, again, thank you to the listening audience. We always appreciate you out there. Appreciate any of the feedback. Website, you know it, EliteFantasyCoaching.com. Check out the subscription services. Hit us up with those questions at EliteFantasyHK on Twitter. Whatever Kev's Twitter handle is going to be, you can hit him up with questions. You can send him dick pics, whatever you want to do. It's going to be out there for him. And, uh, you know, as always, we're giving you the winner's edge. You want to come home with that trophy this year. You know, we're, we're out there to help you get it done. And we've got enough of them on our man to prove it's not just talk it's uh, real world success so kev i thank you for uh, coming aboard tonight i look forward to doing these as we move forward into the season listening audience we appreciate your friends check us out online and we look forward to talking to you next time thanks a lot and have a great evening take care thank you for listening to the elite fantasy coaching hockey podcast if you enjoyed the podcast subscribe and rate us on itunes 
Every five-star rating helps us get the best guests and provide great content. Find us on Twitter at Elite Fantasy HK or search Elite Fantasy Coaching on Facebook. Go to www.elitefantasycoaching.com to learn more about our subscription services and get the web's best fantasy sports coaching.